So tonight I'm going to continue in our series, which we entitled Crosswalk. Amen. Brother Manny last week started us off in this series, and we're going to continue on looking into the series of Crosswalk. The series scripture that we're using for this series is found in Luke 9.23. And it, it says, then he said to the crowd, talking about Jesus, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take up, take, uh, give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Jesus is telling us that we are called to pick up our cross and, and take it up daily and live a life that, you know, that pleases God. Live a Christ-like life, amen, that we would just walk worthy of, of the call of God. You know, and as we are called to pick up our cross daily, you know, it, it challenges, amen, to be that Christ-like man or woman of God. When I first got saved, there was a man, he was well-known in the Christian community. He would travel the world, and he would carry this cross. He would just go around the world carrying this cross, and he would share the message of the cross and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And he used it as a witnessing tool, and he would just go across the world. His name was Arthur Blessed. He was a man who started ministering in the Sunset Strip in Hollywood back in the early 60s. He said he started his ministry in the 60s. I was reading this article about him. And he says what he would do is they would set up in a cafe and they'd put the cross up in the wall and he would just see the impact it had on those that were coming in that were just high on drugs. They would just see this big old cross and he'd begin to open the door for him to begin to minister and witness to them. He said what he started to do is he would take that cross and he would carry it down Sunset Boulevard right there in Hollywood. But in 1969, he says he was praying and he felt the call of God to take the cross and carry it across the world. That he would take it to every city and every nation in this, in this world and he would carry the cross and he would, he would share the message of Jesus Christ. He said the most single, most important experience has been the unchanging presence of Jesus, he says. I knew he was with me always. He said he was always with me, either if it was in the middle of the night or when it was all kinds of mosquitoes all over me, Jesus was still with me. He says that he claimed close to death a number of occasions. He said he was arrested and detained in Burundi during a military coup, and he was questioned for hours. He said he was arrested and imprisoned 24 times. He was stoned with rocks. I know what everybody else is thinking, that he was stoned, but he was stoned with rocks. He was assaulted. He was caught up in war zones. He said he even faced a guerrilla firing squad in Nicaragua. He said he was taken out to be shot by a firing squad. He said they pointed their guns at him, but he stopped them. He said, let me get my Bible. And it says when he grabbed his Bible, they didn't shoot him. He's been run over three times, he said. He's had his cross stolen and thrown into the ocean. Um, he said that he even scaled Mount Fuji with the cross in Japan. In 1971, he was in Northern Ireland. He said the British took, troops took him in for questioning. They thought he had a bomb in his, cro in his cross. And he says despite the persecution and the opposition, he said the tough times have been outweighed by the many high points. He says even though I went through these struggles, there were great victories that I faced when I went to all these different countries. He says one of the greatest things was being able to minister to hundreds of thousands of people and see many of them come to Christ. He says during his time on the road, he said he never doubted what he was doing. There was no doubt about what God called him to do. He said no matter how tough it was, I never considered stopping. I would have only stopped if I died, he said. But he said the most, and this is, this is good what he said, he says, but the most awesome experience of all is having known the constant presence of Jesus knowing he is with you every step. Here we look at a man who completely trusted God with his life. 
God called him to take the gospel message, to take that cross around the world, and he says that there was no doubt, and he said that he just trusted God with his life. This man literally took up his cross daily and followed Jesus. Tonight I want to title this message, Trusting in God. We're going to look at what trust is and trusting in God. To believe, and we look at the word of trust, and it means to believe that someone is good or honest and they won't harm you. That's when you trust somebody. You say, okay, I trust this person. They're good. They're honest. They're not going to hurt me. You know, it's something safe or reliable. It's having confidence in something or believing in someone. That's what trust is. It's something that you begin to say, okay, I trust you. I know you're going to hurt me. You're not going to harm me. You're reliable. You're safe. You know, I have confidence in you. That's what trust is. We look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says that my, my old self has been crucified with Christ. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Paul's writing here, and he's talking about his old way of living that old sinful nature, he says it's dead and it's buried. He says it's been crucified with Christ because Christ paid that price. He gave his life as a ransom for us. Because, he says, because of his love that we're able to trust him and live for him. Jesus paid that penalty of sin by dying on the cross for you and me. Again, we are new creations. He talks about we are new creations in Christ. The old things, our old ways, our old sinful nature is passed away. And now we live a new life and we're able to trust Jesus and trust God. We no, live, no longer live according to the world's way of pleasing self, but we're able to trust Jesus with our lives holy, and we're able to take up that cross and live according to, to, to a, live a life that is pleasing to him. We look at crosswalk, and that's the title of our series. I know Manny talked about what a crosswalk is, and, 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 and a crosswalk basically is a place in the road, you know, where, uh, especially when there's a lot of traffic, in which vehicles must stop to allow people to cross the road. You know, it basically gives them a safe passage. It's sad to say, though, most cars won't stop for people. They just keep going. But that's what the crosswalk is designed for, to give you safe passage, to allow you to cross to either side safely while traffic stops around you. I work for a city. I've shared this many times. A lot of times what we do is we work in the street. We, 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 uh, I work for water department. We repair water mains. We install water services. And a lot of times we'll have to do shutdowns. We'll have to shut the street down. We'll have to put roadblocks up and close the road because we're going to put a trench in the middle of the street. We're going to dig a trench and we're going to, you know, tap into the, the water main and, 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 and install a new water service. So a lot of times we have to put a roadblock also in the crosswalk. We have to put the roadblock and say, okay, nobody can cross here. It's not safe. It's not a safe place to cross right now. You're going to need to go around and, and go around the block. I want to look at tonight some roadblocks to trusting God. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. You know, he's seen a miracle of doing a provision here. And he tells the disciples to go on to the other side in a boat. And it says as that they were in the boat, and it says that the disciples were far off from land. It says that all of a sudden a strong wind began to rise up. And all of a sudden there's great winds and waves that were, you know, tossing the boat around. It says about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. He says when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. They start yelling, they're afraid. He says, it's a ghost. There's a ghost coming, up, coming to get us. But Jesus spoke to him once. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out to him. He says, Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you and walk on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. Jesus, Jesus, Peter, just come. So Peter went on the other side of the boat and walked towards Jesus. 
We see as Peter says, if that's really you, Jesus, I just seen a miracle feeding 5,000. I know you can do a miracle here. You call me to come walk on water. Jesus says, comes. And Peter trusted Jesus and he began to walk on water. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. He took his eyes off Jesus. He began to look at the waves and the storms that were taking place. And he says he was terrified. He wasn't afraid. He was terrified. And he began to sink. He began to yell, save me, save me, Lord. And he shouted. So Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He says, why you of little faith? Why did you doubt me? Jesus was giving Peter safe passage. He said, just trust me. Come on. I'm giving you safe passage. Come on and, and, and walk towards me. But Peter's trust turned into fear. Peter's trust, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start walking on water. But it turned into fear. Why? Because he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to look at the storms. He began to look at the waves and the wind, and he began to, to think, oh, my God, I, I'm not safe after Jesus said, come, come to me. Trust me. See, we take our eyes off Jesus and begin to focus in on the wind and the waves that may be beating upon us in our lives. Basically, what we're doing is we take our eyes off Jesus. We're saying, you know what, God, this is too big for you. We said, losing focus on Jesus, Lord, I can't trust you in this area of my life. See, Peter became terrified. He just witnessed, again, a miracle of feeding the 5,000. He started to walk on water, but he lost focus of Jesus, and he began to sink. One of the biggest roadblocks to trusting God, and I believe many of us have gone through this, is when we go through financial difficulties. Because when we start going through financial difficulties, a lot of times we stop trusting God with our finances. In Proverbs 3, in verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God is saying, put me first. Honor me first in your giving. He says, honor the Lord with your possession and the first fruits. Put me first. He says, as you do this and as you give and put me first, he says, then your barns will be filled with plenty. And God says there will be plenty. There will be provision as you put me first. Just honor me first and put me first and trust me first. But in Malachi in chapter 3 and 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you're saying, How have we robbed you, Lord? He says, In tithes and offerings. You're not honoring me. You're not trusting me with your finances. You're not giving me your first fruits. You're not putting me first with your finances. And he says, You're robbing me. He says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. And he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring everything that belongs to me. Honor me. Bring your first fruits. Bring that first to me. He says, there may be food in my house. And he says, and try me now in this. He says, test me. Trust me, says the Lord of hosts. Because as we begin to tithe and give and invest and put God first and honor God with our first fruits, he says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing and there will not be enough room to receive it. But again, it starts with honoring God, putting God first, giving our first fruits, and trusting him. See, blessing comes from trusting God with our finances. See, and as we see how God commands us to honor him with our finances, our first fruit, letting us know that he comes first. Why? Because he wants to bless us, and he wants to provide for us. But instead of honoring God, we begin to find ourselves robbing God because of a lack of trust. Peter took his eyes off Jesus Fear entered in. He was terrified, and he began to sink. And we could be in a place where we allow fear to come in when it comes to our finances, and we start to fear our creditors more than we trust God. Begin to take care of everything else first. 
And if there's nothing this, well, God, you know what? Whatever's left over, you can have. But see, that's not what God wants. God says we got to put him first. We got to trust him first and honor him first. God says, I come first, but you're robbing me. And but you're also robbing yourself of the blessing and provision. Proverbs 29, 26 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. A lot of times we fear and say, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm afraid. I don't know if I can give, Lord. I just can't give. But trusting the Lord means safety. We're safe when we trust the Lord and begin to put God first. We can't hold back what belongs to God. There needs to be that trust that will cause us to release unto him because he wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. But again, he wants to see if we're trusting him. It's a sowing and a reaping. As we sow, we reap. As we invest, he gives back to us. See, when we're not good stewards or good managers of our finances of what God has given us, you know, it really seems like we're always trying to play catch up. I feel like we always never have enough. Find ourselves in deep debt, you know, to, you know, credit cards, you know, are maxed out. Why? Because we're making bad financial decisions and we're not trusting God and putting him first. People start trusting in payday loan places. And I don't say this to be funny or critical, but I'm trying to help you here because I've seen so many people that got caught up in these payday loan places. People that I know personally that got caught up in these payday loan places because they didn't trust God with their finances. They were making bad decisions financially and they got caught up. And what it is, it's just, it's just like a cycle. It's like they're bound, they can't get out of it. What happens is they start borrowing for another place to pay this place. And it's back and forth and they can never get out of it. And then they start saying, well, sorry, God, I got nothing to give you. God says, you're missing out. You're, gonna, you're missing out on the blessing. I would get calls from these places for looking for people that would use me as a reference. Hey, I, you know, is so-and-so there? I go, who is this? And then they'd be telling me, and i go, oh, you know, uh, I'll let them know you called. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. But again, it, it comes from making bad financial decisions and not putting God first and trusting God with our finances. We know the story of, of the talents. As, as the, the master gave out the talents and told them to, to, to invest in it, and as they came back and the one that, that, gave, that invested and gained back more, he tells them, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. A lot of times we say, God's only giving me a small amount. I only have a little bit. I can't give God. But this is what he says. You've been faithful in the small amount that I've given you. He says, now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate to give, together. Yeah, maybe God's given us a little bit, but we we got to be good stewards of it. We got to make good decisions. We got to got to put God first and trust God and say, God, I'm going to invest and give and and give you my first fruits. And God will say, You've been faithful, and we'll put you over much more. I can testify, and I'm I'm not saying this to boast. I'm saying this to help you, because I I can testify, and there's others here who can testify also that we have faced financial difficulties and financial struggles. I think all of us at one time could say, yes, I went through a financial struggle. You know, I went through some, some hard times financially. But the one thing that each and every one of us did is we trusted God with our finances. We trusted God with our finances. We put them first. We said, you know what, God, you get the first fruits. We're going to invest. We're going to give. And God has blessed our lives to see that I won't pour out blessing upon you. And I can testify that God has poured out blessing. I, I know so many here that are so blessed because of this principle of putting God first, honoring God and paying our tithes, giving of offerings, giving of pledges for our building. 
And it comes from people that trust God with their finances. Another roadblock to trusting God is our past. A lot of people have tr trouble trusting because of their past. Where they've been hurt by those that they've trusted. You know, whether it be a parent, spouse, close friend, a loved one. Whether it be physically, emotionally, verbally. And it caused, you know, pretty much some trauma in your life. And they're just the hard, hard, they find it hard, hard just to trust. Just to trust anybody, especially not trust God. And no longer do they trust anybody because the fear of getting hurt again. There's always that fear of, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get hurt again. I can't trust in this area. See, we only trust God, you know, we won't fully trust God or we'll just trust God for a little bit. You know, God, I'll only give you a little bit of my life, but not willing to commit our lives or our families to anything God wants to do for us because that fear, again, of being let down or being violated. In Romans 10, 11, it says, as Scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. He will not let us down when we trust him. When we trust God, he will not let us down. He will not disappoint us. We don't have to worry about the things that took place in our past and the, the letdowns and the hurts. God is not going to let us down. In Isaiah 41, it says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be afraid. Peter was afraid and didn't even realize that Jesus was right there with him. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. Don't be discouraged. He's our God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to help us. He's going to help us overcome our traumatic past. Why? So we can begin to trust again. I will hold you up in my victorious right hand. Why? So we can trust him with our whole life, with our family, and trust him for our future. Jeremiah says that those are plan he's got plans for good and not disaster. It's a promise to us. That we can say, God, I can trust you in my life, my family, my future, because you got plans for good for my life. Yeah, I was hurt in the past, but I'm going to let that go, and I'm going to trust you, because you're going to help me, you're going to strengthen me. It's no longer I, but it's Christ that lives in me. As I've been training for this year's bike walk in Rome, be riding the 100 miles, people have been telling me, and, 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 it's, and you know, it's encouraging me, you know, but people are telling me, you got this, you got this. And I appreciate the words of encouragement. So on Labor Day, me and Brother Ricardo, we, we went and rolled the 100 miles. You know, we were training, so we, we decided to run the, ride the 100 miles. So we got to the 50-mile mark in Yorba Linda. We were feeling pretty good. You know, everything went good. Got there, stopped for a little bit. And then we start coming back. And for those that hit the Santa Ana River Trail, from Yorba Linda to Huntington Beach is 25 miles. And all you get is headwind. Amen. For those who have never rode a bike with headwind, it's basically somebody pushing you on the head like that, and you're just doing this number, okay? For 25 miles, you're just, uh, you know, struggling. It was blowing good that day. I started to feel it. I was really feeling it, man. I'm like, man, I was, almost called my wife, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I got no, I, I, I got to do the 100. But I started thinking of those words, you got this, you got this. And I started to realize I don't got this. I'm serious. I don't got this. I was praying, Lord, help me. I was rebuking the wind. I was saying, peace be still in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm trusting you to get me through this wind. 
See, one of the roadblocks to trusting God is trusting in self. Because a lot of times we hear that phrase, you got this, you got this. And I understand people are trying to encourage us. But what happens is we start thinking to ourselves, I got this, I got this, I got this. And we hear that phrase over and over, and we start to believe that. And what happens, instead of trusting in God, we start trusting in ourselves. And instead of relying on God, we begin to say, oh, I got this. I don't need you, anyone. I can handle this. You know what, Lord? You could take the day off because I got this. See, when we start to get like that, there's a danger because we start to feel that we don't need to be in fellowship with God anymore. We're no longer communicating with God. We're no longer in fellowship with God. I've seen so many people that have gotten so blessed and have just walked away from God because they said, I got this. In our minds, things are good. We're blessed. It starts with this mentality. Look what I did. You know, I put in all the work. I did all this. And every conversation starts with I. I this, I that, I, I, I. And no more glory goes to God, but it's look what I've done. And no longer are we in fellowship with God. No longer are we in communication with God. No longer are we trusting God because we're trusting himself. We see the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and he's there, you know, thank God I'm like, oh, not like other people. Look what I do. See what it is? It's pride that's risen up. We forgot it was Jesus that brought us this far. We forgot it was Jesus, you know, because at a time before, you know, we were taking up our cross daily. We were in fellowship with God. We were hungry for more of God because he was doing a work in our lives. It was Jesus that had it, and he was in control, not us. But as time goes on, we start getting blessed. Things are good. We start to say, I got this. I got this. In Proverbs 16, verse 5, it says, The Lord detests the proud. He says, they will surely be punished. When we start allowing our pride to rise up, and we start to say that, you know what, I did this, God, you know, you know God was there, but, you know, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to make it on my own. I'm starting to, to, to see those doors open. I'm starting to open, open my own doors. This is what our pride comes in. It says, he tests, God detests the proud. He says, they'll surely be punished. In Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death and destruction. When we begin to start trusting in self, when we start thinking, I got this, we are headed in a path of destruction. We're going to start making some bad decisions for our lives. We're going to start thinking, oh, I can handle it. I can do this. I, you know, don't, you know, don't worry, God, I got this. It says there's a way it seems right to him, but in the end is the way of death or destruction. We need to understand we don't got this. We need to trust in God Otherwise, we're going to lead ourselves to a path of destruction. In Jeremiah 9, 23, it says, This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. He says, if you're going to start bragging about something, brag on this, he says, that they truly know me and understand who I am, the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness on the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's not I, but he says, if you want to boast in some, boast that you know me, and I am the Lord who demonstrates love, that you know who I am. We need to trust God because God's got this. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't think I got this, but say, you know what? I'm going to trust in you with my whole heart, Lord. You know, things are good. I'm still going to trust in you. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God will direct us because he's in control, and as he's in control, we can trust him, and he will direct our path. Next thing we need to look at is who should I trust? We look at the definition of trust again. It's to believe in someone, to believe that someone is good and honest and will not harm you or that something is safe and reliable or having confidence in something or to believe in someone. See, when you see how all these, you know, things that, you know, trust is, there has to be some sort of relationship with there. There has to be a relationship there to have trust. You got to, you know, and that's where it's so important to have a relationship with God, but that's what it is. When you're going to trust somebody, it has to be some sort of relationship. One day, one guy came to my door. It was a Saturday. Remember me and Tina at the house? It's about almost 5 o'clock, okay? Guy comes to my door. Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm a representative for Edison, and, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we just want to talk to you. Your house has been, you've been red tagged or whatever for high usage of your, uh, you know, electricity. I go, well, it's like 100 degrees out, so... But he's like telling me, okay, you know, so, and he starts telling me, because you're using a lot of power, you know, you, you could have, you know, sh- um, power outages and fires and all this because of people like you, you know, using too much energy. <laughs> Basically, he's telling me. So he starts telling me, you know, um, so I'm like, okay, so what, what do you want? You know, so he's like, okay, well, can I come in and we can discuss your bill, you know? And I go, well, you know, got any, you know, proof or anything? Oh, no, I, they just sent me out here, and I, and, and, and I go, well, how do you know? Well, can we go look at your meter? That's what he told me. I go, no, we're not, we're not going in my backyard. Well, I need to see your meter. I go, no, well, we're not going to do that. You know, it's like, who's this guy? He goes, well, you know, do you have your bill? Because, you know, if you have your bill, it'll show how much usage. I go, my wife takes care of all that. She's not available right now. I go, don't you have all this? I mean, they're sending you here. Don't you have all this information? You know, it's like, well, no, but, you know, can I come in? And, and I go, no, I don't even know who you are. And I go, first of all, you don't have no information. You're telling me I'm using this, but you don't have, you don't have like a record. You, know, you have no proof that Edison sent you. You know, I don't trust this guy. You know, he wants to come in and he finally asks me, you have a water, a bottle of water? <laughs> all right, stand back, you know. <laughs> Try kicking in my door. But this guy's like telling me, that's what I told him. I go, okay, so at the end of this conversation, I know what you're going to do. He's like, what's that? You're going to tell me I need solar, right? And he's like, can I get a bottle of water? It's like, but I didn't trust this guy. And, and, and how can we trust someone we have no relationship with? We really think about it. And this is so important. If we're going to trust God, we need to have a relationship with God. If we're going to trust him, we need to know who he is. And the first way we know through who he is is through the word of God. We're going to know who God is. We've got to be in his word. Faith comes by hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. Our faith, our trust is built by hearing and reading the word of God. In Psalm 33, 4, it says, For the word of the Lord holds true. God's word is true, and we can trust everything he does. We can trust every word he says. If you have trust trust issues, you need to get into the word of God and begin to understand that every word that God speaks is true and everything he does that we can trust. In Psalm 119, it says, with my whole heart, I seek you. 
My whole heart, I seek you. I take up my cross daily, and I seek you, Lord. He says, let me not wander from your commandments. Let me not wander away. Let me not get that attitude that I got this, but let me seek you, Lord, wholeheartedly every day. Paul is writing to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. He talks about since you were a child, you've been been taught the word of God. Those that have taught you, you can trust them. And he says that these scriptures are true, he says, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. This is all that knowledge and all that understanding you gained even from a child as you are being taught the word of God. That's why it's important to teach our children the word of God. We want our children to serve God and get saved. We need to teach them God's word. He says that you've trusted in Christ Jesus. He says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do right. All scripture is given to us by God, that we can trust in it because it teaches us to live a life that is, you know, that is right and correct. When we know him through his word and begin to understand who he is, when we come to an understanding of who he is, then we can come to him in fellowship, in daily prayer, because as we begin to understand who God is and who he is, we can come to him. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says, so let us come boldly to the throne of grace of God. There you will receive his mercy and you'll find grace to help us when we need it. Because now we know who God is. We understand what he does for us, that we can come boldly before his throne, that we have access to him, that we can come and seek his face. Because the word has taught us we can enter into his presence with confidence And when we do that, we can begin to thank him for who he is. Because when we read the word of God and understand the word of God, we understand who he is, and we can begin to pray and thank him for who he is. Begin to say, God, I thank you because you are my Lord. You are my God. You are my king, my healer. You are my redeemer. You're my rock, my salvation. You are my provider, Lord. You are my deliverer. God, you are a miracle-working God, and I thank you for who you are. We begin to pray and thank him for who he is. It builds our trust. We begin to trust God and say, God, I know who you are. And I thank you for who you are. And I know, God, when I need you, that you're there for me. Psalm 9:10 says, those who know your name trust in you. As we understand the word of God and know his name, we can trust in him. For, oh, Lord, you do not abandon those who search for us. Oh, think about that. Those who know your name and trust in you, he says, he will not abandon us. For those who have trust issues, God's not going to abandon you because you know his name. First Chronicles says in 16, 11, says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Again, seek the Lord, his strength. Seek his presence continually through prayer as we take up that cross and pray every day. We're seeking his strength and his presence daily. See, as we come boldly before him daily and take up our cross and, and, and begin to pray, read, pray, it's building our trust. We look to those who trusted God in the word of God. 
There's so many. I just picked out a few that God gave me. We see how Abraham, when God spoke to him and says, I want you to sacrifice your, your son Isaac, Abraham trusted the Lord would provide. He said, God's going to provide. I know what God's doing, but I'm going to trust that God will provide. When Daniel was told, you cannot pray because he was praying three times a day or you're going to be thrown in the lion's den, Daniel trusted God would protect him. When Noah was told, you build the ark, and, 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 and Noah trusted that God would save his entire family, and he did exactly what God instructed him. While Joseph was sitting in prison, he trusted that God was still going to raise him up as a great leader. He gave him that vision, and he said, you know what, I'm still going to trust God. Even though I'm in prison, I'm still trusting God. We see the woman of issue of blood. She trusted doctors and physicians, and she spent everything she had, but she decided, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment, and I'm going to be made whole. She trusted Jesus for his healing. See, when we trust God and pick up that cross daily, I guarantee, I guarantee you your life won't be the same. I guarantee you. To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust him in the dark, that is faith. Charles Spurgeon wrote that. Worship team can come up. See, when we trust God, in Psalms chapter 3, 37, I'm sorry, it says, trust the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land, of, land and prosper. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. He says, you will live safely in the land and prosper. You'll be blessed. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desire. Tonight, what's your heart's desire? What is it you truly desire? And godly desire, you know, I, I want a Porsche, you know, I want a, a boat, but no, your godly desire, what is it you truly desire? It starts with trusting in God. Jeremiah says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with its roots that reach deep into the water. He talks about us as we trust the Lord and we made the Lord our hope and our confidence. We're like trees on the bank of a river and our roots are, are, are going deep into the water. They're drawing water from the river. They're well-rooted, deep-rooted. And this we talked about us when we trust the Lord. He said, such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought because they're rooted deep and they're you know, drawing water from the river. He says, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. He says, as we trust in the Lord, we are like these trees producing fruit. We are fruitful. We're seeing again the blessing of God in our lives. Isaiah chapter 26 you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed in you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is an eternal rock. He says, when we trust in the Lord, he says, we are in perfect peace. Peter was terrified because of the storm around him, took his eyes off Jesus. And, 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 and Isaiah says, trust in the Lord, you'll be in perfect peace. You don't have to worry, you don't have to be in fear, but you can trust the Lord and God will be there for you. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, he says, see, God has come to save me. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. He says, I will trust and not be afraid. And the result is he's going to give me victory. 
How many want victory in this place in your lives? Seriously, who wants victory? We need to trust God in every area of our lives. We need to trust God. We need to say, you know what, God? I'm not going to allow these roadblocks to keep me from trusting you. If I face financial difficulties, Lord, I'm going to still trust you. I know my past hurts. You know what, God? I, 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 I'm going to let them go, and I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to trust in myself, Lord. I'm going to continue to trust you. Our series scripture says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. We need to trust God. I look around here and I've seen so many here that have been here many years, numbers of years. One of the key things that kept us here is we trusted God. We trusted God. Through some hard times, through good times, great times, we trusted God. We didn't give in. We didn't say, God, I got this. But we said, no, I'm trusting God. I'm believing in you, God. And God has blessed our lives. God has truly blessed our lives. Why don't we stand?